0: Well, what is up, everyday people? Good to see you. So let's not forget about our online audience. I know normally we give them a little clap, but I mean, I, this morning I'd like to hear your best, what's up? So on three, let's, let's give our online audience the best what's up you can. One, two, three. Yeah, what's up? Glad to have you guys. (laughs) So, um, it's great to be with you. I'm Jared Webb. If you don't know me, I'm an assistant pastor here. It's my pleasure to bring you the word today. And I want to tell you the story about a guy named Randall. Randall was absolutely amazing, he did everything. Everything at his job, his boss could always rely on him. He did all the chores at home. He worked and volunteered for every nonprofit in the community. He was also the mayor, the undertaker, and a volunteer firefighter. And we're just getting started because let me tell you what he did at his church Because he was on the church board. He gave beyond the 10%. He ran the puppet ministry. He mowed the lawn. He replaced faucets. He put up the VBS decorations. He did everything. Everybody looked up to Randall. Randall was the example to follow. But was Randall really doing everything he should? Could Randall do more? Was Randall truly fulfilling his calling or not? And that's the question that I want to explore with you as we go into the book of Second Chronicles today and look at King Uzziah. And so the books of 1st and 2nd kings and 1st and 2nd chronicles have very similar content but do have different viewpoints but nonetheless there are parts that people who get longer stints of the book and then there are people who get little stints and Uzziah is one of these individuals and we often forget about him honestly the only thing that only reason his name might seem familiar to you is that i mean Isaiah's famous vision in Isaiah chapter 6 is in the year that King Uzziah died. So if you want to be remembered for anything but for dying, that's, that's Uzziah's life, okay? But he does have something in his life to teach us about. So we're going to be looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 26. But I do just want to give you a little bit of preview of the Second Kings version. Because the second king's version is a little confusing. (laughs) Because it says, Uzziah did what honored the Lord. That's like how all these little snippets of all these kings start out. They tell him, were they good, were they bad? And then tells you a little more about their life. And it says that Uzziah honored the Lord. He pleased the Lord. But then the Lord gave him leprosy. So he's remembered He gets the part, the beginning of the paragraph that said he was honoring to the Lord, but he got leprosy. Why? 2 Kings just kind of leaves that hanging there. Luckily for us, 2 Chronicles goes into the details. So we're going to be looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 26, and we're going to be reading a little bit here, quite a bit is really what I mean. And so we're going to read the first five verses of chapter 26 and then... 16 through 21. So again, 1 through 5 of chapter 26, and then skipping to verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. All the people of Judah had crowned Amaziah's 16-year-old son, Uzziah, as king in place of his father. After his father's death, Uzziah rebuilt the town of Alath and restored it to Judah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother was Jecolia from Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who taught him to fear God. And as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. Now skipping to verse 16, but when he had become powerful, he also became proud, which led to his downfall. He sinned against the Lord, his God, by entering the sanctuary of the Lord's temple and personally burning incense on the incense altar. Azariah, the high priest, went in after him with 80 other priests of the Lord, all brave men. They confronted King Uzziah and said, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is the work of the priests alone, the descendants of Aaron who were set apart for this work. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have sinned. The Lord God will not honor you for this. Uzziah who was holding an incense burner, became furious. But as he was standing there raging at the priest before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy suddenly broke out on his forehead. When Azariah the high priest and all the other priests saw the leprosy, they rushed him out, and the king himself was eager to get out because the Lord had struck him. So King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in isolation in a separate house. or He was excluded from the temple of the Lord. His son Jotham was put in charge of the royal palace, and he governed the people of the land. The rest of the events of Uzziah's reign, from beginning to end, are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. When Uzziah died, he was buried with his ancestors. His grave was in a nearby field belonging to the king's. For the people said, He had leprosy, and his son Jotham became the next king. So again, the weirdness of the story is that he does all of these great things for the Lord. And as far as we can tell, he's not worshiping any other god. And then the Lord ends up punishing him for worshiping him him in a way that he doesn't want him to worship. And it says, the text says that his pride is really the root issue here. And it's not surprising that Uzziah became prideful because he became king when he was 16 years old. Can you imagine if you became king or queen when you were 16 years old? Right? And on top of that, it's not, from what the text seems to suggest, it's not that his dad died He just got made king in place of his dad while his dad was still alive. So if that's not going to put pride in your mind, I don't know what would at 16 years old. And he has all of these great successes. He has the best armies. He has the best herds. He creates these war machines that can shoot arrows and rocks from the top of towers. He's ahead of his time. And not only is his own kingdom praising him, but all of these others surrounding him are talking about how great King Uzziah is. It's easy to see how he became prideful. When you gain a lot of success in an area, it's tempting for you to become prideful. When you get the best grades in the class, when you score the most points in the game, when you get the most work done on the factory floor, when you make the best ham salad in Indiana, it's tempting to become prideful because when we succeed, we're tempted to think that we got there purely by how awesome we are. That There was no help behind that. We're just inherently better than everybody else. Everybody else is trash, and I'm amazing. That's what pride says, and it had seeped into Uzziah's heart. He still led people toward the Lord, but inherently he thought, this is all happening because of how amazing I am. And this is not the only place where the Old Testament calls out pride. I think particularly I'm reminded of Deuteronomy 8, where God tells his people, he's like hinting at the fact that they're going to have success, and then this is his response. This is the Jared Webb translation. But nonetheless, it's pretty similar to what's going on in Deuteronomy chapter 8. When you guys are driving around in your Cadillacs, sipping sweet tea in front of your 70-inch 8K TVs and taking your, your pedigreed chinchillas to the groomer. <laughs> Don't forget who gave you success. Because it's going to be tempting to think that you got yourself there. That this only happened because of how amazing you were, and you're going to forget that it was my hand that had pushed you there. Uzziah fell for the trap. It was his own power that made his armies as great as they were. It was his own power that made his farming as great as it was. It was his own power that created these war machines. It was his own power that created him into the greatest king ever. But at least he's prideful in a holy direction, right? Okay? Like, I mean, obviously, there's levels and degrees here, so we don't want people to be prideful. But wouldn't you say it's better to be prideful, at least in a godly direction, than an ungodly direction? Right? Nonetheless, he has an issue. And it brings me back to the mind boggling part of this story. He does good things for the Lord, and yet the Lord punishes him. So, specifically, he goes into the temple to burn incense. And so incense, if you don't know what that is, it's something you burn, gives off an aroma, maybe some smoke, and it fills the room. And it symbolizes your prayer filling the room. And so he's doing this. He's praying to the Lord. He's not praying to Baal. He's not praying to somebody else. As far as we know, he's trying to worship the Lord. And then 81 priests walk in and tell him, bro, you can't be doing this right now. This isn't your job. Stop. Stop. Right now. And he becomes angry. Understandably, right? Because you're doing something that's honoring the Lord. It's not like they caught him in an explicit sin. He was stealing. He was committing adultery. No, he's worshiping the Lord. So imagine if you were right here on the altar praying. And then me, Pastor Christian, Pastor Chris, Pastor Jessica, we all came up and said, You need to stop praying. That's for us only. Stop right now. Wouldn't you be caught off guard? Like, what do you mean I can't be praying right now? Not exactly the same situation. But nonetheless, you can see why it's frustrating to Uzziah. What's the big deal? Because number one, he's the king. Can't the king do whatever he wants? And number two, like I said before, isn't he doing something that's honoring to the Lord? He's burning incense. He's not worshiping Baal. What's the big deal? And while we haven't unpacked what the real reason that God is upset with Uzziah is, what we can know from what we know right now is that it can be sinful to do good things for the Lord. Okay? That it can be disobedient to do things that look holy. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. But Uzziah is punished for doing a holy thing. So what's the issue here? Imagine a world, a world where there's no cars, no planes, no donkeys, no horses, no cell phones, nothing. So even worse than way back when. Okay? It's like way, <laughs> way, 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 way back. And the only way to send a message from one person to another, send a package from one person to another, is to walk it there by foot or to hire somebody else to get it there. And the, the biggest company in this world, in this theoretical world, is PedEx. Okay? Okay? <laughs> They have an army of foot soldiers that are hired to get your package from point A to point B. And so the CEO of PEDEX, Jeff Tozos, (laughs) he's in his quarterly meeting, and he he announces to his workers, he says, listen, you guys need to do better. I've figured out a way to motivate you, so Next quarter, whoever the best box carrier is, the best message carrier is, they're going to get their name on a plaque that's going to be in HQ forever. They're going to get a trophy and a year's supply of toaster strudel. Okay? <laughs> and so, ironically, the guy I talked about at the beginning of this sermon, Randall, works there. So, you're already familiar with his work ethic, right? He's going to make sure he does the best he can to get this award. So Randall goes home. He buys a new treadmill. He hires a nutrition coach, and he's training every day after work, even after he's already walked miles upon miles upon miles. He trains and trains and trains and trains. He gets faster. He gets more endurance. And he's able to deliver one more box a day. And at that point, he realizes this isn't going to get me anywhere. I need to figure out something else. How am I going to deliver as many boxes as possible so that I can be known as the greatest that there is? Because I am the best. And then he gets an idea what if I just offer to carry my coworkers' boxes? The ones that are really lazy, I'll just take their boxes and I'll deliver I'll make sure they're on the same general path, the same general direction. I'll take their boxes. Or maybe when some of my coworkers aren't looking, I'll take their boxes and I'll deliver them. I'll carry multiple boxes at once. You you would have thought someone thought about this beforehand, but no one had. Um, And he rises up the company charts. Easy peasy. He's taking all of his coworkers' boxes, delivering them. And he finally gets the phone call to a meeting with Jeff Tozos, and he knows that this has to be the moment that he's going to get in his award. This has to be the time. So he puts his best shoes on. He gets a haircut, puts on some cologne, and heads to Jeff Tozos' office. Jeff says, come on in. Randall sits down, his heart's just beating 100 miles an hour. Would he just say it already? Jeff says, I've got some pretty significant news for you. And Randall just can't hardly take it. Would he just spit it out? And then Jeff says, this is your last day at PedEx. Get your stuff and get out. Randall is infuriated. How could you do this to me? Do you know how much money I've made you? I'm the best worker that you have. Explain yourself. And Jeff's like, okay. I should have clarified better when I when I started this competition because you interpreted the best worker as the one who could carry the most boxes. And what I really meant was that you would carry your boxes the best. But what you did was you took your coworkers' boxes and took away any chance they had of being the best box carrier. And on top of that, because you were carrying so many boxes, and really this is the real reason that I'm firing you, is you delivered most of what you delivered damaged. You were carrying too much stuff. So get your stuff and get out. Uzziah was carrying his co-workers' boxes. Boxes that were not assigned to him. He thought because of how great he was, he could do Everything. In fact, he should do everything. And so he decided, hey, I'm great. Why don't I try out this priest thing? His real sin was not doing something good, but stepping outside of the assignment that God had given him. Now, what's interesting is that the priest that confronts him is named Azariah. And if you look in the second king's account of Uzziah, you'll notice that his name is used interchangeably as Uzziah and Azariah. So he also goes by Azariah. I think Second Chronicles avoids that confusion. It's like, all right, if I, if I do that and the priest's name is Azariah, people are going to be confused. But to me, I reflect on that, and it's like Azariah comes to Uzziah and says, Brother We might have the same name, but we do not have the same calling. God has given me a mission. God has given us a mission, an assignment, and he's given you an assignment. But for some reason, you decided it was okay to come over into mine. In my head, I'm thinking, what if Azariah would have said, hey, man, what if I just, like, you woke up, you walked into your throne room, and I'm just sitting He cares more about the quality of your obedience than the quantity of your good deeds. In other words, kingdom success is measured not by how much you do in the name of the Lord, but by how well you do what God asked you to do. Okay? I don't think that God is going to ask us on the final judgment day, how much did you do for me? But how well did you do what I asked you to do? And sometimes the temptation is when God blesses us in the area that he has assigned us to be in, we get prideful. And we suddenly think, I can and should do all of this other stuff. I can do everything better than everybody else. And so we pile all this stuff up to make ourselves feel good. But staying in your lane is a holy thing. Not doing everything, but doing what God asked you to do. Sometimes it's not a matter of whether or not you can do it, but a matter of whether or not God has asked you to do it. And sometimes you're blocking other people from stepping into the role, the lane that God has asked them to be in because you're so greedy taking everything. And because you're doing everything, you're not doing your calling to the best of your ability. You're probably doing everything at half amount. But you keep feeling like I have to be the one to do it. I'm amazing. Just because it's a holy thing, just because you stamp God's name on it doesn't mean that you should do it. And this is intimidating and freeing at the same time that God only asks us to do what he's asked us to do and not everything because it means we don't have to do so much stuff But it means you better do what he's asked of you well. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this leprosy that Uzziah gets on his forehead. So leprosy in biblical times, a blanket term for all kinds of different skin diseases, don't have the same kind of categorization that we have now. So if you got a problem with your skin, leprosy. But he gets it on his forehead, which it's like, why? Why not his whole body? Why just specifically his forehead? He was trying to be a priest. And a priest, when they're going to go do their work in the temple, puts a plate on their forehead that says, Holy to the Lord. And I wonder if every time Uzziah was reminded that he had this leprosy on his forehead that had caused him to be pushed aside from his people, pushed aside from his assignment from king if he thought to himself unholy to the Lord because he wasn't willing to stay in his lane. God had done amazing things with his life. He could have continued to bless him, but when he stepped outside of his lane, God pushed him to the side You need to do what I asked of you. Even if you're doing a holy thing, it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. When Uzziah was busy being a priest, he was too busy to be a king. He wasn't meant to have the headplate of a priest. He was meant to wear a crown. But he thought that he could do everything. All of the success that he had in his kingly role, the place where God had assigned him to be, caused him to think that he could have success everywhere, that he was amazing without the Lord. He forgot that he was nothing without him. It's a holy thing to stay in your lane. God cares more about the quality of your obedience and the quantity of your good deeds. So how do you live it out? One You got to discover your calling. You got to discover your calling. Now, you think it would be pretty obvious for Uzziah because it's like he's born to be a king, God blesses him and his kingly role. But notice when he gets the leprosy on his forehead. He gets it after he's angry, not the moment that the priests come and confront him, not the moment that he starts to offer incense but when he gets angry that he should do something else. I think there's mercy from the Lord if we're not in our lane because we don't know we're not in our lane. He wants us to have a chance to recorrect. I wonder if Uzziah would not have gotten leprosy if instead of getting mad, he was like, all right, you guys are right. I'm getting out. I'm leaving. I'm going back to my kingly duties. This is your job. if you ask the Lord what your calling is, he will reveal it to you. And this is a moment for you to explore that. And maybe you've thought to yourself, I don't have a calling on my life. There's not boxes that are assigned for me to carry in the kingdom of God. That's only for pastors and missionaries and kings and all that fancy stuff. No. Each and every one of us have an assignment And part of the reason that these people who carry so many boxes carry so many boxes is because all these other people sit on the sidelines and they're like, well, I don't have an assignment. Each and every one of us have an assignment, a unique calling from God that he has had for you before the day you were born. You just have to ask him what it is. So if you're thinking, okay, well, how do I do that? One, ask him. If you've never prayed for it, ask him. And secondly, if you're completely lost of how to pursue that, then make a meeting with Pastor Chris or me or Pastor Jessica so we can talk that through. We can give you some resources to hash it out. So number one, discover your calling. Number two, do what God has asked you to do well. Stay in your lane well. And really that involves three things. One, if you're carrying too much stuff, that you can't do what God has asked you to do well, you need to put some boxes down. And so I'm going to be honest, this is kind of freaky because you could say an application point is that people are just going to drop out of the dream team and all this stuff, and I got a lot of people doing first impression stuff. But I'm trusting the Lord that he has a specific spot for you. And we as a staff don't want you in a position that the Lord has not created you to be in. Because we know that it's not fun to be there. I don't want to do positions that I'm not created for. I like doing this, not the other stuff. I don't want my wife's job, okay? (laughs) So praise the Lord she's designed that way. And praise the Lord I'm designed the way I am. So anyway... All that being said, you got to put some boxes down. Are you doing so much in your life? Is there some kind of task? Is there some kind of task at the church, some kind of task at the home, in the community that you've picked up because you thought, oh, I can do that. I'm amazing. I can do everything. That maybe you need to set down so you can pay more attention to what God has asked you to do. Because it very may well be a great and holy thing, but you're not supposed to be doing it. So, set some boxes down. Second, you need to really pull into being better at what God has called you to do. Carrying your boxes isn't enough. You need to carry them well. Because God hasn't asked you to be complacent in that, just to do good enough. He wants to bless you in that place. So, really, you just got to position yourself to grow. Be the best greeter you can be. Be the best business owner you can be. If God has called you to do it, he will bless it and let him grow you into that so that you can become more than you would ever imagine. And three, maybe you need to help someone else stay in their lane. Maybe part of the problem, part of the temptation that you want to pick all this other stuff up because it seems like nobody's doing it is... The answer really is that you just need to find the person who's meant to be there and not feel like you have to put it all on your back. Believe that the Lord really does want someone there to have that gap filled. So call it out in people when you see their strengths. Tell them, you know, have you ever thought that maybe the Lord wants you to be a pastor? Have you ever thought that maybe you should try out parking lot greeting Have you ever thought that maybe you should start a not-profit? Have you ever thought? Help people get in their lane. Discover your calling. Live out your calling well. Set in some boxes that aren't yours. Carrying your boxes well. And helping other people stay in their lane. Because it's a holy thing. And God cares more about the quality of your obedience. Than the quantity of your good deeds. So here's the thing, church. You could keep going through life like this. You could be remembered as somebody did, who did all kinds of great things for the Lord. It could read a similar thing to what it said to Uzziah at the end of your life, where it said, you pointed people toward the Lord, but they didn't become everything that the Lord wanted them to be. So you can, never, you can either do everything for the Lord that you can and not be fully obedient to him, Or simply do what God has asked you to do and stand before him as fully obedient to him. Which person would you rather be? So we're going to be partaking in communion today because, man, we need some grace if we're going to be standing in our lane. So if you haven't received the communion cup, if you didn't grab it on the way in, make sure you're raising your hand. And we'll have some people come around right now to bring those to you. But just to give some explanation, communion is this meal in which we remember Jesus' sacrifice. We remember that he gave his body, he gave his blood to cover our sins. He was raised from the dead and that he's coming back again. And symbolically, in this act, we feed on Jesus the bread and the juice, the body and the blood, recognizing our need for his transforming grace in our lives. And so I just want to come to the table today and I'm going to offer a time of silence in the midst of the prayer. It's just going to give you space to think about, am I really doing what God has called me to do? Am I really doing it to the best of my ability? Have I picked up stuff that he hasn't asked me to pick up? Am I staying in my lane and doing what's just been asked of me? Have I become prideful and thinking that I can do everything or that I should do everything? Lord, would you give me the grace to make me the person that you always meant me to be? I think we just got a few more over here. So let's go into a time of prayer. Lord, thank you Thank you for giving each and every one of us a unique assignment, a unique calling, a unique lane, a unique box to carry in this life. Lord, help us to each be in the place that you've called us to be so that we can function in a way as the body of Christ as you've always meant us to function. Lord, bless these elements this bread and this juice and give us the grace we need today to be transformed more into Jesus Christ's likeness. Lord, in this time of silence, Lord, I just ask that you speak to each and every one of us the word that you want us to hear today.